Welcome to Living Biblically, a podcast from Graceland Church. Join us as Pastor Nate shares biblical wisdom that we can use in our daily lives and relationships to help us put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Living Biblically. My name is Nate, and I serve as a husband to Lauren, a dad to four great kids or gifts that God has given to Lauren and me, and I serve as the lead pastor at Graceland Church. Graceland is one church, and we are five locations. God is doing some really cool things, some awesome things, some things that are very humbling in and through our church. We're grateful as we seek to, our mission statement, to live this out, to put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors, like the the Great Commission, right? To go into all the nations uh, with the authority that, that has been given to Jesus and to teach, to baptize them, and to let them know about all the things about what it means to believe and follow Jesus. And so that Great Commission, that mandate to go out and how that looks like here at Grace, and we've distilled that down and kind of put it in some own language to put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors. I'm so really grateful for what God is doing. Hey, over the, this month, the month of February, I want to I talk about maturity, specifically uh, with one of Graceland's marks of maturity. That's for an individual and uh, our, one of our values, uh, which is kind of a, a corporate the behavior that we want to see lived in and through our church. So I'm going to talk about maturity specifically individually, corporately, as a church, um, the month of February. But what I want to do for the next several minutes is I want to talk about uh, something something personal. And, and my hope my hope and my aim and my prayer, truly, is that this lands soft and that you're receptive to my words. And you're thinking, what in the world is he about to share that he has to give this preface of, I hope it, I hope it lands soft and you're receptive. I was, I was talking with Jake Scheip, who is our campus pastor at Graceland Church Palmyra. And I was talking about um, change and sanctification, Christ's likeness, growing in the likeness of Jesus, right? We think about Romans 8, 29, that we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus, that uh, more and more each and every day, week, month, year, we should be able to look back, hindsight 2020, we should be able to look back at our lives and and be able to see the Spirit of God moving us, prompting us, challenging us, refreshing us, exhorting us, uh, encouraging us uh, to grow in Christ-likeness, in our values, our words, our affections, our desires, our actions, the, the, the every part of who we are, right? Paul says this, Romans 12, that to not be conformed um, to the ways of the world, um, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and to offer up your body as a living sacrifice, right? There's a, that's oxymoronic language where sacrifices are dead, so we're to die to ourselves, to live to Christ, and we're to offer every facet of our lives to Him. So I want to talk about something. Wow, that's three minutes and three seconds, a preface that kind of irritates me. So here it is. I will talk to single individuals. I'll talk to couples. Like this, this word... This, this truth, this principle that I want to bring to bear upon your heart is, is um, no respecter of persons. It's not a respecter of seasons of life, of how long you've been a Christian. And, and it's this. We are changed to be changing. We're changed to be changing. And oftentimes, I will talk to individuals, whether they are single 
are married, whether they are young in the faith or old in the faith, a seasoned believer in Jesus, uh, somebody who is new to church or, again, who is is old in church, a seasoned, uh, faithful member of the church. And, and a lot of times people will say things like, and I'm struggling, right? I mean, one, we know there's commonality in every person who identifies as a believer, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you, but that which is common to man, common to woman. There's a commonality, though your particular struggle might be unique to you, we can identify with each other because there's a commonality of, of temptation, a commonality of struggle, a commonality of sin. And um, I, I'll, I'll talk to them, and they'll say things like, I'm, I'm struggling to, um, to, to gain victory. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I feel like I just I can't conquer this particular sin, or I'm just in a season. And it can be any number of things. It can be pornography. It can be anxiety. It can be... Uh, you know, a commitment to live and believe and and read the word. It can be uh, your prayer life. It can be I'm struggling with thoughts of bitterness, resentment, uh, sinful anger, or I'm struggling with our marriage, and and I just don't feel like there's this intimacy and there's this joy and this depth of of fulfillment. Or or I'm struggling with my teenager, and and then I'll I'll ask this question. So here's the question: Hey, tell me what you've tell me what you've been doing thus far to help walk in victory, to help walk in obedience, to help walk in joy. Tell me what you've been doing. I want, I want to hear. Tell me. I, one, I want to learn. Secondly, I'm a pastor. I want to know, what are you doing? Part of my job is Ephesians 4, to equip the saints, right? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, that we work tirelessly with the energy of Christ in us to present every man woman complete in Christ, mature in Christ, that, that we want people to mature and grow and be transformed and grow in Christ's likeness. So I ask the question, hey, tell me what you've been doing. So right now, wherever you are, where, in whatever season of life, whatever time of the day you're listening to this particular episode of Living Biblically, there's something that you're struggling with. There's something that you have maybe given more traction to your sin than you want. Maybe there's a foothold of the devil that you've given to, and, and you know there's an area or areas that are like, man, I really wish I had seen more victory and traction and growth in this particular area. Do you got it? Do you, do you got the area or do you got the areas? I've got several. I've got several. What are you doing? I mean, what efforts have you been putting forth to walk in the Spirit? To walk in the Spirit is to carry out and see the fruit of the Spirit manifested, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The Spirit's job is to point us to the, the person, the sufficiency, the work, the character, the good news of Jesus. So as we, as we walk in the Spirit, we're, we're experiencing growth, traction, change to be changing. So my question is, in that particular area, what are you doing? You say you struggle with pornography and your thoughts, bitterness and resentment and anger. You, you, you're struggling with, with being in the Word. You're struggling with your prayer life. You'd like that to be more intimate or, or even to have a prayer life. You, you struggle with being part of community or being a friend or, or receiving friendship. You, any number of things. I'm struggling with loneliness. I'm struggling with anxiety. There's so many things that 
even as I've been sharing these things, a lot of those things I'm sharing are the overflow of my own heart, what I struggle with as a father of Jesus, as a, as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor. So what are you doing? And more often than not, people will say, well, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'll say, I know, I know you're talking to me, but what are you, what are you physically, emotionally, spiritually, what, what are you doing? What have you been doing to walk in victory, to, to, to experience joy? To, what, what are you doing? And people say, I, I, I'm coming to you. And here, I want to give you a little personal example. So early on in our marriage, I, I really struggled with, with, I, with what I would say was, was sinful anger. And now I understand that if you go deeper, uh, kind of the, the underlying emotion of anger, which points us to passion, right? There's certain things that you should be angry about. You should be angry about injustices. You should be angry at trafficking. You should be angry at racism. You should be angry at fill in the blank. You should be angry at some things. And to not be angry about some things would be sinful, right? I mean, we should have a righteous anger about a lot of things. But my my anger so often was 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 sinful anger. My words, my actions, my thoughts, my affections, my disposition. And if you go deeper, my my anger is rooted in, in probably fear and even loneliness. I'm I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of being seen. I'm, 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 there's a loneliness which should drive me to intimacy as. As, talk, as Dr. Chip Dodd shares with us in his book, The Voice of the Heart, and a good dear friend of mine, Clifton Roth, talks about. So, but, I, but I struggled early on in our marriage with, with sinful anger. And, and I would apologize, and I would ask for forgiveness, right? I think one of the maxims of, of healthy relationships is being quick repenters and quick forgivers, right? You want to repent quickly. Hey, I got that wrong. Please forgive me. I lied. I cheated. I stole. I was unkind. I was bitter. Whatever. I please forgive me for this. And 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 quick repenters and quick forgivers. And so I would apologize. I would I would ask for forgiveness. And I remember early on, maybe year three, year four, year five of our marriage, something like that. Lauren said to me, "Hey, I'm I'm happy to forgive you. I'm happy to accept your apology. But what I really want is change." Ouch. What I really want is change. And right, so here's a couple presuppositions I'll share with you. Uh, One of my presuppositions is that we can actually be changed. I mean, think about this. I don't know where you are. I don't know what uh, your posture and attitude and belief is in response to the person of Jesus, but you're created by God. God loves you. God knows about your sin publicly, privately. He provided a way in which you can be forgiven, cleansed, made right, have a uh, go from being far off but being brought near to being called a friend of God, a son, daughter of, of God, and that's through repentance of sin and trust in Jesus, that Jesus is your trust. He's your confidence. He's your courage. He's, he's, you're placing your faith and confidence in Him, not yourself, not your merit, not your track record, not your works, not your achievements, but in Jesus and His record of perfect, his perfect life, his death, bare resurrection, his ascension, and soon return. You're trusting in him. So my first presupposition is we can actually be changed. Bible says in John chapter 1, men and women love darkness. Jesus is the light, and he came, and the light will not be extinguished by the darkness. The darkness is not greater than light, and the light of Christ exposed men and women's deeds of darkness. And in verse 12, he says, John writes, to all who received him, meaning believed upon Jesus, he gave them the right 
to become children of God. So you can actually be changed. So presupposition one, you can change. You can go from an enemy of God, to, from, from being unforgiven, from being separated, from being alienated, from not being part of the kingdom of God, not being part of the family of God, not having a clear conscience, not being cleansed from your sin, to being forgiven, cleansed, declared right, not guilty, to be a son, daughter of God. Part of my presupposition that's found in the Bible is you can actually change. The second presupposition is we are changed past tense, like there's a moment you went from Colossians chapter 1, the kingdom of darkness, and you were transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son. So there's a moment. Now, now, not everybody remembers the moment, but theologically, the Bible teaches very clear. There is a moment where you go from not being in the kingdom to being in the kingdom, not being a Christian to being Christian. You have not always been a Christian, my friend right? There's a moment where I met you, like we started a friendship, or you met somebody else, or you met your close friend, or you met your spouse, or you met your boss. There's a beginning point. In the same way, theologically, the Bible says there is a moment where you have believed upon the promises and the person and the character and the person of Jesus. You became a Christian. You were changed. The second presupposition, second presupposition is this. You were changed to be changing. Like God's agenda and desire for you and for me is that we would continue to change. So here's what I did, right? I became a believer at 10. Fast forward, I get married, and I'm struggling with 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 anger, sinful anger. I mean, I wanted something. James chapter 4, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this that you that you want something and you don't get it? Right? I mean, the, the root of our, of our anger a lot of times is we want something and we want it in an inordinate fashion or degree and we don't get it and we get angry, we fight, we quarrel, we get upset, we say things, we do things. So I, I became a believer at 10 um, and I, I was you know um, struggling with, with sinful anger in my 20s, 30s. And what did I do? Here's what I did. I read books. I read blog posts. I confess my sin to my wife. I confess my sin to good friends that were for me. Like, newsflash, not everybody in your family is for you. <laughs> not everybody in your life is going to be unmistakably, unequivocally for you. There are some people in your life that wouldn't say this out loud, but kind of relish in when you don't do well, or they have a narrative and a perspective and a picture of you that they have created, and, and they may, they're not a safe place. So you need to find safe place where you can confess, right, agree with God about your particular sin, and, and ask for people to hold you accountable, to be proactive. So I was reading, I was writing, I was confessing, I was letting people speak into my life. Uh, we had couples that had unfettered access at any given time, and we're still friends with some of them today, where they can ask Lauren, hey, how's Nate doing? And uh, they can ask me, how's Lauren doing? How's your marriage? And uh, they've got unfettered access and freedom to ask whatever they want. Uh, I see, I uh, regularly, part of my uh, leadership as the lead pastor at Gracious is that I want to lead out of health. And so I see, a, I have an ex a coach that does some executive coaching with me. I also have a, a leadership coach that does some soul care counseling and leadership with me. And so I see these individuals regularly and they're pouring in, they're talking to me about my life, the, the emotional topography of my life and my marriage and my family and my parenting and my leadership and my, uh, my affections. And so those, there's all those things I'm doing, and I'm continually thinking and praying and pursuing and 
reading and thinking and asking questions and letting people speak into my life about this particular area that I want to see growth and change in. So my question is, in that particular area of your life, what are you doing? If you say, Nate, I don't, I'm not doing anything. I'm not reading. I'm not writing. I'm not confessing. I'm not asking people to speak in. I'm not being accountable. I'm not opening up myself up, which I know can be scary. And, 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 and like, what are they going to do? How are they going to think? What are they going to, how are they going to respond? My question is, if you've been changed by Jesus, God's agenda is that you would continually be changed. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12. Verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. So we are called to reverence Christ and to follow him and to change, to work out, to exemplify some holy sweat, some holy discontentment about where we are. Too many Christians have such a sluggishness and a contentment about where they are. Wake up, Christian. Wake up. If there are areas in your life where you know, I need to see more growth. This is not works righteousness. This is not earning the favor of God. This is not trying to merit heaven. Heaven was already purchased through the blood of Christ. And if you're a believer, you are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are a son, daughter of God. And that status can never become unhinged right? I mean, God can never lose a Christian. He'll never lose you if you're a believer in Christ. He'll never lose me. And yet he wants us to continue to grow in the likeness of Jesus. So what are you doing? My encouragement would be, if you've been changed by Jesus, the Spirit of God wants to continue to change you more and more into the image of Jesus, more and more. So what's that area? And Perhaps you need to sit down with a spouse, with a dear friend, and write that out in a big heading at the top of a sheet of paper on your phone. Pull up your notes app and say, here's the area that I want to see growth in. And here's the things, the disciplines, the, the pursuits that I'm going to do to walk in victory, to take ground in my heart, to yield my life to the allegiance of Jesus. You've been changed to be changing. So one of the irritations to go back to the very beginning, is people say, hey, I'm struggling with this, and I ask, tell me what you've done. If you say, Nate, I haven't done anything, brother, sister, it's time to get to work. It's time to exude some holy sweat and get after it. Part of that is obedience. Part of that is honoring Christ. Part of that is the flourishment and the joy, the depth of joy that Jesus intends for you to experience. It's all that and more. So I want to encourage you. If you say, Nate, I'm struggling with this, write it down, put a list together, invite a safe, godly friend who's for you, and let's put a plan together to more and more faithfully exemplify Jesus in our life. That was a little bit longer of an episode. I hope that it encouraged you, refreshed you, challenged you. Thank you for listening to this episode on Living Biblically. It would certainly help us in terms of getting this podcast out there, as you've heard this from so many times from other people and probably more uh, compelling podcasts that you listen to. But if you'll rate this podcast, it certainly helps us get the word out. And we really believe that we have some content that serves to encourage, challenge, and refresh people. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Living Biblically. We hope this episode encouraged you today. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at questions at gracelandbaptist.org.